This Day in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show for those who can never know enough about history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this nostalgic episode, we're looking at the origins of Little Golden Books, the famous series that helped democratize reading for kids all over the world. The day was October 1st, 1942. Simon & Schuster published the first dozen titles in the long-running Little Golden Book series. This new line of books marked a drastic change in children's reading habits and extended the ownership of books to just about any child in America, not just those with wealthy parents. By the time the series debuted, children's books in America had become far less accessible to actual children. Most of them still focused on European fairy tales and nursery rhymes, which often included language and concepts that went over the heads of young readers in the early 1940s. And on a practical level, these were big, bulky collections that were hard for children to hold comfortably. But perhaps the worst barrier to entry of all was that these large books were expensive, usually running between $2 to $3 each, or between $30 to $40 today. That priced out a lot of lower-income families and raised some genuine concern that a whole generation of children may be denied the chance to fall in love with reading. One person particularly troubled by the state of children's literature was the head of the Artists and Writers Guild, a man named George Duplay. He believed the way to make reading more child-friendly was to produce a series of sturdy yet affordable books that were written and illustrated with children's interests in mind. To that end, he and his colleagues partnered with Simon & Schuster, which already published a children's line called Golden Books. Duplay and his team decided to capitalize on that established brand by making their new line a spin-off series called Little Golden Books. As the name implied, these books would be smaller, with fewer pages, more illustrations, and simpler storylines than other kids' books on the market. These changes would not only make the books easier to handle and understand, it would make them cheaper, too. When the first 12 titles were released in 1942, they cost just 25 cents per copy. Parents and kids alike took notice of the low price, and after only five months on store shelves, more than one and a half million copies had been sold. Another change that drove the line's success was where the books were available. Because of their small size and low price, little golden books weren't restricted to bookstores. They could also be sold in the places where families shopped most, grocery stores, drug stores, and department stores. Since the books were relatively inexpensive, they made for great impulse buys to help keep kids occupied while the parents shopped. And if a kid happened to tear the book to shreds or drop it in the toilet at home, well hey, at least it only cost a quarter. The low cover price alone ensured strong sales for the initial batch of books, 
but it was the impressive quality of the stories and artwork that carried many titles to their seventh printing and beyond in just the first three years of the line. Duplay and his team made sure to acquire well-crafted stories from emerging children's authors like Margaret Wise Brown, Eloise Wilkin, and Richard Scarry. To match these strong stories, they recruited an array of talented artists, including a few who had worked in animation at Walt Disney Studios, like Gustav Tengren and Mary Blair. But the editors behind the books weren't just relying on their own tastes when choosing which stories and illustrations to publish. Instead, they worked with a panel of educators and psychologists to figure out what kinds of characters and storylines would most appeal to young readers. The result of this collaboration was a line of books with universal themes, such as getting a pet or attending the first day of school. These generational stories were paired with expressive artwork that was easy for kids to connect with on an emotional level. And of course, both the text and pictures featured animals. Lots and lots of animals. Speaking of which, it probably comes as no surprise that the most popular title of the initial 12 Little Golden Books was The Pokey Little Puppy, written by Jeanette Sebring-Lowry and illustrated by Gustav Tengren. In fact, it's still the top-selling Little Golden Book of all time, as well as one of the best-selling children's books of the 20th century period, with nearly 15 million copies sold to date. But plenty of other Little Golden Book originals have become icons of the home library in their own right, including Scuffy the Tugboat, The Shy Little Kitten, The Saggy Baggy Elephant, Tawny Scrawny Lion, and The Little Red Caboose. For their first two years, Little Golden Books fell into one of two categories, new takes on classic fairy tales, or completely original stories. However, in 1944, the publisher signed a licensing deal with Disney that remains in place even today. In addition to plenty of condensed adaptations of Disney movies, readers could also find new stories featuring Disney characters, such as The Little Man of Disneyland, which features Mickey Mouse and friends trying to convince a leprechaun to let them build their theme park around his house in the roots of an Anaheim orange tree. He eventually agreed. Over the years, Little Golden Books has continued to partner with other kid-friendly properties, including Looney Tunes, Super Mario, and Sesame Street. Shout out to the monster at the end of this book. Purists may scoff at this kind of licensing, but it does aid the cause of getting more children to read, which has always been the series' goal. In total, more than 2 billion Little Golden Books, licensed or otherwise, have been sold since 1942 in just about every country on Earth. They no longer retail for 25 cents, and first editions of the original dozen titles can sell for well over $100, but you've got a good chance of finding used copies close to that original price at local flea markets and thrift stores. But no matter what you pay for a little golden book, and the new one still won't cost you much, when a child opens it, they'll still find a special place at the front to write their name. This simple feature has been a standard of the series since the beginning, and is meant to help instill a sense of ownership in the reader. It's a subtle reminder of the core belief of the series and its creators 
that the joy of reading should belong to everyone, even or especially to children in need. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also rate the show or leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. And if you have a suggestion for the best little golden book for a childless adult, you can send it my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.